the Smash Daily Podcast. Weekdays 4 to 6 on 107.1, the Big Z. Radio for the Riverbend. Smash with you right here before I even get into anything else because Al Watkins getting ready to come on here. He's the attorney for the uh, folks out there, the Miloskis. Take uh, on, I keep saying her name wrong. Hold on. I think that's wrong. Just a minute, please. Oh, just a minute, please. McCloskey's. Miloskis. I have a friend in San Francisco, Ed Miloski. I don't know why I keep going back. I haven't talked to him maybe 10, 15 years. Anyway, the McCloskey's who we all know from Portland Place, Central West End, brandishing the firearms. Al Watkins is their attorney. He'll be on in just a moment here. But I'm just looking at the various things that uh, have uh, come down on this particular date in 1940. On this date, one of the greatest entertainers in history was born, made his official debut in the, and in fact, he was patterned after Clark Gable. That's how heavyweight this dude was. But on this date, 1940, he made his official, official debut in the Warner Brothers cartoon classic, A Wild Hare, H-A-R-E. And that's Bugs Bunny, born on this date back in 1940. So hold on. This is 2020, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, to 20, 20. Bugs Bunny's like 80 years old. Holy macaroni. Well, happy birthday, Bugs Bunny. That's all I got to say. All kinds of great entertainment, all kinds of great laughs came out of... I'm just looking at some stuff here, just real, real quick. Because this to me was wild. I didn't even know this. So this was the year uh, 1890. Vincent Van Gogh, remember him? He was a, an artist. Wasn't he the guy who cut off one of his own ears? That's what I'm thinking it is. That's what I'm thinking it is. I don't know. It might not be. Vincent Van Gogh, the artist, in 1890 on his date, shot himself. And he died two days later from the bullet wound. He was only 37. Got all these great paintings, and they sell for millions upon millions of dollars. While he was alive, he would say, you know, I'm, I'm, I know I'm a good artist, good producer, but I'm just not a salesman. Because sales is hard. I'm just not a salesman. I, I'm not a salesman. I'll paint this stuff up. I'll come up with some stuff you people will want to buy. But I'm not a salesman. This only wound up selling one of his paintings of all these masterpieces, if you like that style of art, that Vincent Van Gogh put forth. I never knew that the dude shot himself. It was 1890. Shot himself. 
bullet wound killed him two days later. I don't know. And on this date, 1921, happy birthday. Thank you very much. The hormone insulin was discovered by the Canadian researcher Frederick Banting and his assistant Charles Best. Best and Banting. This is at the University of Toronto Medical School over there. Insulin being discovered as a uh, <laughs> um, much-needed hormone for the sake of life. And so, of course, insulin then went on into uh, the chemical angle. Went into, boy, I remember when uh, diabetes in the old days, uh, in the old days, you know, they were dealing with, like, insulin bread of pigs. And a big controversy was, you know, they're putting pigs insulin into you. Well, help you keep it alive. Back then, they didn't know no better. Nowadays, they got the chemical insulin. It'll make you fat. It'll put like 20 pounds on you in two months. Easy. I know. Uh, but hey, at least it keeps you alive, you know. So, insulin discovered on this particular date. Now, as we get to Al Watkins here, and Al gets us into a little deeper story as far as the McCloskeys are concerned out there on Portland Place. And this thing that's going on with the, the state's attorney general, with the governor, Kim Gardner, downtown St. Louis, the circuit attorney, I believe she is. I don't know, but I believe that's what she is and what she's called. And so Al Watkins, the attorney for Mr. and Mrs. McCloskey, uh, gives us some some good deep coming up in just a moment here. But to intro this, intro these, I got three more bits with Al right to intro this, I go with a different law, a law show, law and order type of theme song to just to get you into listening to Al Watkins tell the depth of this story, and it is pretty amazing in its own right. So, theme from L.A. Law. Boy, was that a big show. with here WBGZ appreciate you listening back to Al Watkins he is the attorney for the McCloskeys you know them the folks who were brandishing weapons as the protesters were going down their street private street protesters shouldn't have been there nevertheless the McCloskeys got the worldwide attention because of uh, not only the brandishing of the weapons but I don't say it's the wrong way and I of course am no fashion maven but uh Mr. McCloskey had himself an automatic and uh, yet at the same time a pink shirt on. So I know it's uh, one thing as far as imagery is concerned, being on the battlefront and yet at the same time showing haute couture beyond belief. Al Watkins knows the McCloskeys. He used to live over by them. I was a neighbor on Portland Place and one of the things that, that we have to point out after this incident, the residents of Westmoreland Place put out a public statement. And that statement was, we object 
to the actions taken by the McCloskeys to protect their home and their family. I resided on Portland Place. Portland Place residents, Westmoreland Place residents, all pay a lot of money every month to have an armed guard to do what? To stop every person who comes in. And by the way, with respect to people of color, the practice was to pull the gun and have it at the ready at the time they stopped a non-resident in the private places. The problem with that is my friends of color didn't like having to run through that gauntlet. I objected to it. I objected to it, and the only other resident who supported me in that objection was the McCloskeys. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Make no mistake, it, the, the street is private, the sidewalk is private, the, the middle tree line is private, and that's owned by the residents, not by the trustees, not by the city. If the road needs to be worked on, the residents pay for it. If the sidewalks need to be maintained, the, the, the residents pay for it. And the residents own an undivided 145th interest, each of them, in the sidewalk and the streets. The minute that crowd crossed that gate, locked or not, and it was locked, and it was broken, and we have pictures from UP photographer evidencing that, the minute they crossed that threshold through the gate, every one of those peaceful protesters were net then interlopers. They were trespassers. Yeah. They were violating the law. They didn't mean to, but there's a difference between being a peaceful protester and an unlawful protester. Our rights under the Constitution need to be protected. And your right to freedom of speech is important, but you can't enforce that at the expense of any other right. All right, so now, uh, as I understand it, when you are on private property, you do not have the rights to First Amendment speech. With that being said, these folks have trespassed through, quote-unquote, the gate. Was the gate already busted down? Was the gate unlocked and then just came on through? What is and or was it about the gate? Talking with Al Watkins here, the attorney for the McCloskeys. So that gate is an old gate. It's wrought iron. It's been there for 100 plus years. Yeah. Um, it is embedded by concrete into a rock wall that's been there for over 100 years. In order to open that gate, you have to have a key. What, that, what happened was the key was not used because there was no key in the hands of the protesters. <laughs> It was forced open. It was not broken at first. So the first interlopers that went through were able to get through half of the gate, which had been opened. The other half was bolted into the ground. All right, I'm sorry. You know, I love Al Watkins, uh, lawyer for the McCloskeys, all that stuff. Uh, I do not know some of the terms he's using, and one of those terms is interloper. So I go to... The lady I love when it comes to the sake of clarity, I go to this lady right here, and that is Madam Brainiac. Madam Brainiac, what is an interloper? Here's the definition of interloper. A person who becomes involved in a place or situation where they are not wanted or are considered not to belong. Ah, thank you, Madam Brainiac. Back to Al Watkins. As the crowd, and it was there were hundreds of them, poured through that gate as trespassers, there were too many, too wide to get through half the gate. And the gate was then mangled, and a photograph was taken by the UP photographer. In fact, many photographs were taken 
depicting the individuals responsible for it and the mangled gate as well. I provided that to the police. I provided it to the Post-Dispatch. The Post-Dispatch ignored it. They're still saying it wasn't, it wasn't damaged. Jeremy Kohler has a whole video online that seems to make it look, using one-dimensional social media footage, like, oh, the gate wasn't broken at all. And what you have here is an overwhelming desire on the part of people, especially folks who really do embrace the message of Black Lives Matter, which is a noble message, Mm -hmm. but it's different than the organization itself and the agenda of the organization. Um, and, and, And the goal is to just ignore the facts. The, the facts be damned, whether you're a, a reporter with a post-dispatch or a circuit attorney or a detective or a major with a police department who's directing a search warrant to be prepared pursuant to a report that has to be amended, revised, edited, changed. You know, look, this is not the America we were raised to love right. and adore. This is not the America that you and I as legal counsel have sworn to abide by the Constitution for. Yeah, I'll tell you what, I know that America, I remember that America, but these folks are trying to bring about a new America, and I totally understand that. That's why they originally had the Revolutionary War, to separate us from Great Britain. They're trying to separate us from that old America. Problem is, the way they're doing it is a totally incorrect way, and it's not going to get them to that new America that fast with that in mind. As far as charges are concerned, the charges themselves, uh, circuit attorney, how is that involvement uh, playing? Uh, they go into to a judge, they go into a grand jury. What what's all that? Well, oh, I'm sorry. Already, you've found the circuit attorney backpedaling. The, the circuit attorney has um, said, "Well, we don't really want to put him in jail. Uh, oh, we we think they need to do some community service. Um, I don't know, like what, Kim? Maybe uh, teach people." The Constitution? Uh, I don't know, Kim, like maybe uh, pursue a civil rights case on behalf of all of us in the public who seek to have our right to bear arms, to protect our family, to protect our home, remain intact. You don't, you don't file criminal charges as a prosecutor and come out and say, oh, by the way, we just want community service. I've never heard of such a thing. And by the way, Kim... My understanding is, as an agent of the court, as an elected official, as somebody who is a public servant with a duty and an obligation, it's not really kosher to direct the tampering of evidence. It's not really kosher to mandate that a report upon which you are going to have a search warrant premised be revised to make it work. Facts are facts. The Castle Doctrine is long-standing law. What are you doing? Why are you doing it? Be transparent. And by the way, think twice about what you're doing because you're an agent of the court. You have a duty. And that duty and that obligation as a public servant is to each and every one of us. That's attorney Al Watkins. He is the lawyer for the McCloskeys. And I tell you what, if anybody knows this story deeper than him, he has not exposed himself as of yet. Al has been there from the beginning. He knows the McCloskeys not only as a neighbor, but also as their advocate, their representative, their champion at justice. So 
we got more with Al coming up in just a moment here. He's going to get deeper into this situation and tell you some things that you didn't even know about the McCloskeys and that brandishing of the weapons in an effort to protect themselves and their property. Coming up here with a smash, that's me, Smash Daily, 4 to 6 o'clock, Monday through Friday, right here on WBGZ. materials, the best workers, the best craftsmen, the best. Jersey County Fence and Deck. Jersey County Fence and Deck. JCFDonline.com. JCFDonline.com. Their phone number. Jersey County Fence and Deck. 618, yep. 616 616-33-26. 616-33-26. Two six. That's the phone number for Dean Comer. He'll pick up, and when he does, tell him, "Hey, Dean, come on over here, man. I heard Smash talking about you. I heard I got ten uh, percent off as far as my labor costs are concerned right now. And you make sure that uh, Dean knows you heard about it here on on WBGZ. And all of a sudden, Dean's over at the house. You show him what you've been thinking about as far as putting that deck up is concerned. He'll give you his." mind's eye to it, his touch to it as far as the ergonomics of it all is concerned because you want to make sure you got a deck that not only plays well to you and your outdoor lifestyle, but it's going to be something that's going to make the house sellable down the line if you decide you want to sell. Right now, a lot of people are fixing their houses up with specialty type of decks, and they're calling them guys like Dean Comer, Jersey County Fence and Deck, saying, hey, let's get this done here because with this covid and it looks like it's going to be around for a while. I'm not going to stay. I'm just going to stay home. I'm going to make sure my house is my castle. I'm going to make sure that when I work from home, I can not only work in my office inside the house, but my outdoor living space on a great day, on a great evening, can be your office too. Fantastic. Dean Comer's the guy to get that built for you, to get that taken care of for you. Phone number, area code 618 616 3326. Now, if you take advantage of the fact that 10% off for labor costs is going to save you money, then you're a smart, a smart shopper. And you're smart as to getting the right people in there because they're clean people. They come in, they do the social distancing, they, they, they do all that stuff. But they know that in this particular era in time, you made that decision to enhance your lifestyle. And the lifestyle of those that you invite to your crib, those who are sharing your crib with you, you have enhanced that lifestyle because you see what the future can be. And that is the involvement of everybody, whether it be simply you yourself and or your family and or your guests, you and everybody having yourselves at the right time over there on that deck, on that outdoor living space. What I like is because I used to have me a deck. I didn't know Dean back then, but I used to have me a deck. Hmm, 
10, 12 feet in the air. And it had a lovely patio underneath. And you can do that. Dean does all that stuff too. But boy, I tell you what, I never thought to just enclose it, make it airtight, make it weather tight. And now all of a sudden, you have yourself a storage room, shall we say. And I don't know about you, but if you're paying $100, $200, $300, a month for storage somewhere, man, you can bring that to the house because it's all underneath your deck right there. Dean Comer's built it for you, built it right. Take advantage of the fact that right here in this area, Jersey County, fence and deck serving the River Bend. In case you need to look at the way they do their work, very simple, JCFD, Jersey County Fence and Deck, jcfdonline.com, and let them come on over, give you the estimates, and then all of a sudden, not only you got yourself the right deck, but while you're at it, talk to them about a fence around the yard. That's what they do, Jersey County Fence and Deck. The greatest of all the lawyers, the greatest of all the judges, Judge Judy, this be her theme. Smash with you here. Smash daily as it's always, 4 to 6 o'clock on WBGZ. Al Watkins is the attorney for the McCluskeys. You know the McCluskeys. Worldwide uh, stature now as far as brandishing weapons to keep protesters who are illegally on their grounds. They're trying to keep those protesters from the actuality of the house itself. I'm on a show that uh, is on another station. That's with my friend, Mark Milton. We talk taxes. We talk legal. And Mark has the first situation coming out here, talking with Al Watkins about Kim Gardner and how she plays to all this. One of the things I find most troubling about this is, you know, knowing the castle. I mean, she should know what the castle doctrine is. She should know the facts, the true facts behind the case and come to her own conclusion that they were justified in doing what they did. Um, But nevertheless... She goes forward with this search warrant and seizes their guns, not only, in my opinion, infringing on the Fourth Amendment, because I don't think there really was probable cause, but also the Second Amendment. So would there be any potential case against her for violating their civil rights when it comes to the Fourth Amendment and the Second Amendment? Well, the, the great thing about our civil rights is that they apply to everyone. And do I think we have a colorable cause of action under the Federal Civil Rights Act? that inures to the benefit of Mr. and Mrs. McCloskey? Absolutely. In fact, think really hard, and I dare you to come up with a scenario in the history of the United States of America where a prosecutor has done what has been done here, and a state governor has said, I'm going to pardon him, and a state attorney general has written an amicus brief in opposition to the circuit attorney, the very person the attorney general would have to represent if there was an appeal of a conviction. I, I dare you to find precedence for this. It doesn't exist. All right, Smash here. I got to stop down real, real quick uh, here with the Mark Milton show, show that I do on another station. Uh, and we deal with all kinds of legal things and tax things and all that. Uh, I, as a pre-law student at Indiana University in the way back when, remember uh, amicus, and it came from a thing called amicus curiae, a Latin term, 
and an amicus brief. Well, an amicus, for example, is an impartial advisor. And Lady Brainiac, let me know if I'm wrong. An impartial advisor, uh, usually voluntary, uh, to a court of law in a particular case. For example, he was planning to advance his position in an amicus brief. Back to Mark Milton as he continues our discussion with Al Watkins, the attorney for the McCluskeys. So, so where is the case right now? You've got Joel Schwartz is now involved, famous uh, defense attorney here in town. Loved him on Dateline. Uh, you know, he represented the the gentleman out in I think it was St. Charles County. Or you know, Joel used to work for me. Okay, well, I yeah, it, and he plays the guitar. Also, I've been to their holiday party. Where I play he, the radio. <laughs> so. So what? how is he involved now? What is your role going forward? Well, Joel is a criminal defense attorney, and he'll be the counsel handling the criminal defense case as as, as confident as he is um, in my own pompous and egotistical way. I, I like to think of myself as second to none, but I do like Joel, and he's a good man and extremely able. That being said, I am also now a witness, so I can't be both a witness sure. and counsel. I can and am addressing other matters on behalf of the McCloskeys. Okay. All right. So uh, back to my earlier point, though, was this, this was not a grand jury indictment. No, no. This was, this was a, an information filed by the circuit attorney providing uh, the McCloskeys with the opportunity to have a preliminary hearing where uh, the prosecution is going to have to show a scintilla of evidence, uh, something to show probable cause that a crime has been committed. And at that point, the Castle Doctrine will be raised formally for the first time as an affirmative defense. You know, one of the things that I found astounding, personal opinion, of course, is that Mr. McCloskey, I'm not familiar with her legal work, but Mr. McCloskey does work for black folks and, uh, oh, well. and does all kinds of work in making sure that black folks get their civil rights and he's being accused of being a racist over here. It's yeah, stunning. so there, there, there was at the outset of this a one-dimensional undertaking by folks who weren't really interested in the truth to cast and yeah. portray Mr. and Mrs. McCloskey in a racist light like uh, like Thurston Howell III and his wife on crack, all right? And the fact of the matter is nothing further from the truth could be the case. Not only was he a supporter of my effort to eliminate what I saw to be a racist pattern and protocol followed by Westmoreland Place and Portland Place, but he's also a guy who over the course of his 30-plus year career, along with that of his wife, advocated for the civil rights of people of color. And he's doing it right now. Yep. Is there any sort of a, a defense fund set up for the McCloskeys? Obviously... You know, what What people don't realize is that when you get in a situation like this, just the, the cost, not yeah. only the Mr. McCloskey's business, but, I mean, to paying attorneys and yeah. well, court you know, costs and fees and all the money, too. We are all whores in the legal profession. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when we get down on our knees, we expect to be paid shortly thereafter. So I get up from my knees usually case. with my palm up. Sure. <laughs> and, in fact, often before I even get on my knees, I make sure that my palm is... My sweaty palm is filled with the requisite <laughs> retainer. The sweaty palm. Sure. And, you know, it's one of the first things you learn in law school. What's the first thing you ask your client when they come in? Where's, where's the retainer? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. And, and I say well, that. Well, I deal with people with tax problems, so I know <laughs> if, they got, if they got big tax problems, I need to make sure I get paid. Sure, no pretty doubt good about chance. it. Now, now, look, I cast light on that, but the fact of the matter is to get competent legal counsel 
uh, when you have a case that's going to be all-encompassing like this, time-consuming, high-profile, involving uh, involving a lot of media attention, not just in St. Louis, but around the country, the world, world um, it basically precludes you from carrying on with your business, other business. Yeah. So the cost associated with this is not insignificant. The McCloskeys know that. Um, they've had to incur costs for security, for cameras, for a lot of other measures necessary to keep and protect themselves from ongoing threats. Yeah. So, too, have their counsel, I might add. You face threats personally? Uh, yes. I think almost all the time because he takes these kind of cases and he puts his neck on the line for his clients to make mm -hmm. sure that justice is had. And I know Al's uh, had this kind of You stuff. know, it's interesting because... When I was handling the civil rights case for the son of, or for the child of Anthony Lamar Smith, who was shot by Stockley, I was castigated by the right wing, threatened, given a whole lot of grief. I was applauded by the very individuals who today are threatening me and castigating me and wishing to hang me by my appendage from mm -hmm. the town square. Mm -hmm. and applauded by the very people who sought to uh, render me incapable of procreation earlier. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. An attorney, to be a true advocate, will, by necessity, piss someone off. Yeah. And if you're doing a really good job, you piss off a lot of people a lot. That comes with the territory. Your job as an advocate cannot be compromised by fear, by fear of retaliation, by fear of retribution, you have a job to do, and the minute you turn around and and walk like a like a small dog, passing razor blades, is the day you should no longer be a lawyer. That's Al Watkins, the attorney for the McCluskeys, Mr. and Mrs. McCluskey, in the public eye for a few weeks now. Ever since the protesters came into Portland Place, and they, the McCluskeys, decided to brandish some weaponry in order to keep them off. The property, talking about the protesters there. When we come back here on Smash Daily, got to talk to Al about where does he see the McCloskey case headed, plea deal, trial, what could be the result, all that. Upon return here, Smash with you, Smash Daily, as is always, Monday through Friday, 4 to 6 o'clock, right here on WBGZ, the Big Z. Smash with you right here. Appreciate you listening. It's about quarter till six o'clock. Hey, I tell you what, man. Al Watkins, I described a little bit earlier. He's the attorney for the McCloskeys, the folks who brandished the weapons out there on their lawn as they were protecting their property against the protesters who were walking through their neighborhood, a private neighborhood. Nevertheless, all the trouble landed on them. And as we come to conclusion here, Al Watkins is going to tell us what the future looks like for the McCloskeys in relation to this case. And I tell you, it is just amazing what, what angles people will use to get their ploy across 
when in reality they have no angle at all, but they will con- concoct ways to make these things happen. That's what Al's been talking about here. It's what happened to the McCloskeys right on over here. I've been playing different law and order type of show themes in preparation for the legal talk that a guy like Al Watkins is doing there, along with my friend Mark Milton, along with myself, Sir Smashing him. We go to the theme of the TV show Law and Order. Smash with you here. Certainly hope you're enjoying the program here. Smash daily, Monday through Fridays, 4 to 6 o'clock, right here on WBGZ. Today, I'm featuring a conversation that I had with my friend Mark Milton. We do a show together, The Mark Milton Show, on another channel. And we got the opportunity to talk with a longtime friend of mine, and that is Al Watkins. Al is the attorney for Mr. and Mrs. McCloskey, who you know from all the news that was spread out on them worldwide them brandishing the weapons on their lawn to keep the protesters away from their house, their private property. With that in mind, had to ask Al about the social media aspect in this because, like, back in the day, there was no regard to what it was going to be as far as the press is concerned. But forget the press. The press nowadays, and as Marshall McLuhan once said, the medium is the message. The message is all over the place with social media. So, Al Watkins, how did you handle the social media aspect of this McCloskey case? Because it was and still is massive. What we did here, and we, we, we made this effort very, very early on, I made sure that we got the dynamic of the conversation to turn from the depiction in a one-dimensional social media sense of the McCloskeys as racists to individuals who not only were not racist, but advocates for uh, the civil rights of people of color and people who were sensitive to the, the, the messages that, in fact, black lives matter, but that they were also people who were really committed to protecting the constitutional rights of all, in, in particular, the, the Second Amendment rights that inure to our benefit, to bear arms, to protect our family and our home and our children. And in this day and age, you simply can't say nothing. Internationally, it was important to do it on this case because it was the international pressure that was immediately brought to the attention of our president, who in turn bore a great deal of pressure on local authorities to make sure that the police shifted gears from hands off to being policemen protecting and serving. Well, one of the things about Mr. McCloskey 
is that he is able to uh, represent himself as we watched on uh, Tucker Carlson that night that you were sitting next to him. Mr. McCloskey is a rare individual as a criminally accused um, because he's an attorney. He's a, a big grown-up man. So is his wife, although a, a, man, a woman, all right? <laughs> you know, uh, gender issues aside, the fact is there's nobody more ideal and ideally suited to actually, as an accused, speak up for himself because he's able to do so without putting himself yeah. in a position of harm. That's usually the concern that you have with somebody who's not familiar with the nuances of the law. Talking with Al Watkins here, the attorney for the McCloskeys, who you're familiar with, brandishing the firearms to protect their property as the protesters having to come through the broken gate that uh, fell in some fashion because somebody either knocked it down or was just not really secured, at least that's what the protesters are saying. So, Al, question now is, you got Josh Hawley over there saying everything's going to be cool. You got the governor who is saying he's going to pardon them, no problem whatsoever. And then Kim Gardner over here is doing the prosecuting and everything. But you got people getting murdered left and right in St. Louis here. I think it's like 30 in uh, the month of July uh, so far. So, Kim Gardner, what is her accountability in this, Al? This is the environment in which the McCloskeys found themselves when they were besieged. Sure. They had just watched a 7-Eleven burn for almost an hour before police responded on TV, live. They they, uh, endured the the murder of the retired police captain blocks away. Uh, They had witnessed... Uh, mayhem and destruction to the Central West End in prior marches. Um, you know, this is this is the environment. And so you have to contextualize everything. You can't just show a, a picture of Mr. and Mrs. McCloskey armed with guns in front of their Italian palazzo. Remember, they moved into the Central West End at a time when there was white flight. Right. They came from the Tony suburb of town and country and bought a home where nobody was buying anything. And they not only built it, rebuilt it, rehabbed it, but they raised their family there. This is their home. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you have a shotgun apartment in, in you know, out by the airport or a palazzo in the Central West End. It's their home. That area is not the home of Lida Cruston. No. This, the, this crowd fact, was going through this area where they really didn't need to be going through, right? right? No. In fact, the path was supposed to go past Portland Place to go to the mayor's home. Yeah. The turn or the deviation into Portland Place was completely not consistent with their assertion they were just going to the mayor's home. Yeah. You know, right, they're just going to New York by way of Portland Place. <laughs> right Oh, So on the Mark Milton Show, my partner is Mark Milton. He is the St. Louis tax lawyer, stltaxlawyer.com. And speaking on the legal side, what do you, what do you see in all this, Mark? I mean, I've never seen a case like this um, where you have the governor, who has the full pardon power, come out before there's even been a trial and say he's willing to pardon these people. And so I'm curious, as a defense attorney, um, you know, your approach is probably a a lot different because it seems like the risk of conviction, because most people take plea deals because the the alternative outcome of not taking a plea deal is so drastic compared to maybe a lesser sentence or whatever it may be. So I assume, and I don't want to get into any kind of privileged discussions, but I would assume they're going to take this all the way to trial. Well, let's just talk turkey here. There's something in securities called a put. 
And you're not going to lose when you have a put. <laughs> when you are criminally accused and you have the governor of the state saying, I'm going to pardon you. When you have the attorney general who's responsible for representing the circuit attorney in the event of an appeal coming out and writing an amicus brief voluntarily in support of your position. And you have a president of the United States screaming and yelling about what's going on, the support of federal authorities. I'm going to suggest to you that there's absolutely none of the normal evaluation that goes into options to trial it present in this case. It just doesn't exist. So There's why no, is she doing it? Why, um, that's what I can't understand. If I could read her mind, it would involve me speaking a language that I don't know exists. <laughs> but I mean, I know she's up for re-election, but I mean, you got to think she knows all these things and she's not going to win. And in my opinion, maybe she feels like, well, at least the loss won't come until after I'm re-elected. But well, I mean, she will not win this case. Well, here, let's, let's take it a step further. The only... African-American on the Republican Party ticket for the primaries in St. Louis County is Paul Berry III. And this is a guy who's been outspoken about the fact that, you know, the people who sustain the most loss with a compromise of Second Amendment rights is the African-American community. I personally can tell you, having represented people who are facing criminal felony charges, that the Castle Doctrine inured to my client's benefit, and they were clients of color many, many times. It's about protecting your family, and, you know, we can't give up those rights, and it's not a race-sensitive right. All of our rights are stronger when all of the rights are strong. When Absolutely, and that's, I think, to your point, they clearly have a meritorious defense, pardons aside, you know, yeah, all there's, that there, stuff. There's, there'll be no need for a pardon here. Right. So the governor is safe on safe ground. He's never going to have right. to pardon anybody. I doubt this will ever get to trial. If it does get to trial, a number of things are going to have to happen. Kim's going to have to get re-elected. She's going to have to retain her law license. She's going to be able, have to be able to convince a jury of 12 that what the McCloskeys did notwithstanding long-standing Missouri law and the Castle Doctrine and our Second Amendment rights, was unlawful. Utilizing a gun that was inoperable. I'm sorry, ain't going to happen. Well, and it has to be unanimous if it's a jury. And this is a case, too, where my wife, who's also a lawyer, you can imagine what our dinner conversations are like. But, I mean, we were both saying to ourselves, this is maybe a case where you'd want to have a judge as the as the trier of fact and 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 decider of law. Maybe not. But. I'm a showman. I'm a showman. <laughs> I prefer a, an audience that can't go away. They're stuck with me, and I do have a great deal of faith in uh, in twelve jurors, um, regardless of of heritage, creed, color, in a case like this, because every single person here can relate to the primal innate need to support your family. Righto. When they first contacted you, said, Al, this is what's going on here. Can you come over and let us tell you a story? I'm thinking to myself, wow, what must have been going through your mind when they were telling you their side of the story? Because the way it looked to me was these are two people protecting their house. Maybe these uh, protesters were not coming up on the lawn. Maybe they were in the street. But what Mr. McCloskey was doing with the brandishing of the firearm is saying, don't be coming up here. Yeah, well, it's a beautiful point and a question that's well raised. The thing is, I knew right up front because of my long-standing familiarity with Mr. McCloskey, yeah. brethren counsel, yeah. as a former neighbor, as somebody who was actually in my older brother's class in high school. Huh. So I knew him because McCloskey's older brother was an 
another brother's class. Oh, really? So I, I had been exposed to him since, you know, the days when I wore a little crested jacket as a white privileged child uh -huh. who was melanin deficient. Uh -huh. um, and I've got to tell you, I knew them well enough to know that this was not this was not an issue of racism. Yeah. This was not an issue of people who were uh, disparaging of anyone of color. Right, right. Quite to the contrary. Yep. That being said, look, they're they're white guys. Yeah. I'm a white guy. Yeah. And no matter who you are in this world, if you're melanin challenged in America, you're not going to be able to say with any degree of credibility, I know what it's like to be a black man in America. Right. We can't. Yeah. We need to understand that, be respectful of that, but not at the same time have that respect be requiring the wholesale disregard of our other constitutional rights. Now, we all know that this has been politicized big time, not only here in the States, but all over the world. I know it's a touch personal for you because you know the McCloskeys. But uh, beyond that, this is really you as an attorney doing what you're supposed to be doing for your clients, right? We, you know, we took an oath to uphold our Constitution, a solemn oath, when we became agents of the court. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've, I've told my children, including uh, many of whom have, have, have been disgusted with my representation of the, of, uh, of the McCloskeys, um, I said, no, my, my, my job is not to judge. Right. By the way, if I had to judge, my clients are right. But my job is to advocate. Yeah. That's my duty. This man's got one more I question. Got one more, Al. If they make a Netflix made-for-TV movie, who do you want portraying you? Brad Pitt, uh, John Travolta, who might that be? You know, I'm not I'm not sure there's anyone ugly enough in central casting to be able to get through to that. John but, Hamm, maybe? Hey, you know, those listen, anybody that would be able to tolerate and endure replicating me on screen is somebody who clearly needs therapy. So that, that's the best I can say. Well, we really appreciate you being here and taking the time. I know you're probably getting tons of media requests. So you, we guys, really appreciate you, you guys drill down your work. Both of you, excellent. Right. And like I said, I've had a long-standing relationship with Smash, and it's born of the unmitigated knowledge that Smash will call it as he sees it. That's my man, Al Watkins. He's been my attorney for about 20-some years. He's handled a couple of cases for me, and he is the attorney for the McCloskeys, knowing the McCloskeys from living there at Westmoreland Place, Portland Place, where the McCloskeys are. And uh, I hope you got some insight. I know I did because of the fact that if anybody knows this case, it's Al Watkins. He was there from the beginning. He is now in the case involved as a witness. So he can't be the primary attorney in this case, can't be the attorney at all because he's a witness now. But the case does go on, and Al indeed does have his touch, his hand in and on the case, along with uh, other lawyers who have taken over at this particular point in time. So we'll see what happens as things do grow with the McCloskeys and that situation. But uh, as they do, you know, you can count on me getting some kind of information to you, as is always, Smash style, Smash daily, 4 to 6 o'clock right here, Monday through Friday, on a big Z, WBGZ.